You need to really work on controlling your your grip tension there, Joe. It's too strong. It's, it sure sounds like it if you're if you're squeezing the cup out of the paper sleeve when you're <laughs> like going shooting <laughs> on the floor. Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. This is episode 53. I am Joe Darnell, and joining me today is my co-host, the coffee taste tester champion of Paulding County, Georgia, Mr. Eric Rauch. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Doing pretty swell. We're going to be taste testing some coffee today, so I thought I would throw that in there. After today, it's going to be official. What is? That you're going to be a taste tester in from Paulding County, Georgia. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, you're the professional in so many ways. Uh, today, though, we're going to be reviewing some coffee that's not our own. Something special that we brewed up just for this occasion. Craziness. Woo. <laughs> uh, we're going to first do a little bit of follow-up, Eric. Are you ready for this? I am. Okay, so this is something uh, nobody was expecting. Banana pudding follow-up. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so first of all, Eric has still not had the banana pudding, and that is a rotten shame. I'm so sorry. And none of our listeners have either because they still don't know what the recipe is. And so uh, to follow up with our listeners that were curious, I found what the origins of the secret recipe. So it goes like this. My grandmother on my mother's side used to make banana pudding for my mom when she was a little girl. Okay. And it was just this particular way. It was delicious. It was what my mom always knew. She grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. And if you know anything about the South, it's very traditional country cooking, mm -hmm. you know? So they were used to home country fried chicken on every Sunday. I mean, like you'd, you'd mash up your green beans into bacon grease and that was healthy nutrition. That was, that's the way the South rolls. <laughs> yeah, the Tar Heel way. And my grandmother made banana pudding the same way her whole life. And uh, so my mom believed that this was the only way to make banana pudding. And she didn't learn it from her mother, though. Wait, what? She did not learn how to make banana pudding from her mother. Oh, your mom's grandmother doesn't, didn't learn it from her mother. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, so then the story goes that my mom went to college, and there she met my dad. And uh, she was working as a secretary. And they hit it off really well. They started dating. You know, things happened. And eventually, mom came down to Georgia to meet my dad's side of the family. And so, dad introduces my mom to Mama Darnell, my dad's grandmother that he grew up with in okay. the North Georgia mountains. And guess what? Mama Darnell had the exact same banana pudding as my mom's mother had based on what just on her memory of whatever what it tasted like <laughs> no and this is where the secret came out okay you ready for this sure the true southern style banana pudding comes from is this like an infinite regress are we gonna we're we gonna come back to where we started and still not know anything <laughs> this is inception it's all a dream oh man all right lay it on me the secret recipe can be found on the back of a nilla wafers box okay <laughs> All right. I was, I was going to say, you know, the, the, you know, the secret ingredient is love. Um, <laughs> but okay. this is not a JJ Abrams television show, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, it, okay. In my defense, people, this is actually really good banana pudding. And I was discussing it with my mom and she said that she actually knows a little bit more about the history behind this thing. Nella wafers has tried to change recipes on the box over the years and people just didn't like that. 
So they kept on returning to this particular recipe. So the, cur- the one that's on the current box is, is the recipe? Is the same thing that my great-grandmother was using in like the 30s and 40s. The, the one that's currently on, if you went to a store today and bought the Nella yes. wafers, it, it's that one. It is that one. Huh, okay. Yeah, so... They should really be promoting that. You would, it stands think the test that, of time. That, yeah, that this is a, 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 a whatever, a, a 70, 80-year-old recipe at least. And they're um, not sponsoring the show. Y- yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a problem. So they got to get on that. <laughs> Free business advice on a coffee podcast. I'm not disappointed, though. I always like to see that something is well-established and that, you know, tens of thousands of people have tried it and reported back to the company, no, no, this is the good recipe. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of, to me, it's a, it's a confirmation of, of what's going on in food right now in general. You know, coffee's, coffee's going through this resurgence, getting back to locally roasted coffee, knowing where your coffee comes from, sustainably or uh, responsibly sourced, and, and all these other things. Um, but but that, that's going on with food in general. People are just are rediscovering something that, that's, that's not just plopped out of a container or, or, or bought from some restaurant and some sort of takeout food that you serve your family, people are, are really concerned about where is their food coming from? What's in it? And, and, and where was it grown? How was it, how was it made? How was it prepared? You um, know, on that note, I think that the industrial revolution influenced the taste and flavor of foods a bit too much. I think that the appropriate application of the industrial revolution in, you know, food and craft culture was to make it more efficient, to improve right. the processes of cooking, you know, and gathering and harvesting and growing but it shouldn't have influenced the ultimate flavors and the quality of the freshness of a product. And it, we allowed it to. Well, and so that yeah. is what we're going back on. Right. Is we're, we, it was good to the, allow the, for the technology to influence it. Now we need to take a step back and re, reestablish the quality of the, of the goods. Right. And still do it now with more efficiency than our great grandparents were able to. Well, the, the the evidence is so overwhelming now that the promise of convenience was just the promise of convenience. It was never a, a promise of convenience and health. You know, oh, so yeah, exactly. So it's it's not so our food isn't food. It's 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 quick and easy, and you know, and and feeds a, a family of ten or whatever. You know, you can make large amounts and you can make it fast, but it's it's not good stuff to put in your body. And not saying that that. That Mama Darnell's banana pudding is a health food or anything, but it's it's just like what what was what was good a hundred years ago is still good. It yeah. tastes good. It's made with real stuff, of course, eaten in on special occasions and in small amounts. It's not something you eat every day and and sit on the couch and watch cartoons, but it's good food. It's it's well, the, it's made with real ingredients. Well, and the purest example of this is bread. You know, bread has been made for thousands of years. Yeah, oh yeah. It goes way back. And bread is essentially produced today the exact same way with just more efficient advanced tools. But you want the the finest bread to taste essentially the same as the high quality bread that is two or three thousand years old. Like bre- great bread is great bread. It doesn't matter how you make it; it should still taste like great bread. Yeah, when and you're talking about whole that. grain type bread, but when you're talking about white enriched flour bread, you know that's yeah. a new thing. That's a that's that's a new development, and and it didn't in, it didn't add anything to our nutri- exactly our, our, and, our nutritional scheme. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like we allowed for the industrial revolution to influence the taste and quality, yeah. and that that was a negative effect on bread as a sure, whole. Sure. Yeah. I mean, now people do appreciate why bread. You know, don't take me wrong, I, and I understand why. Like if you got used to ballpark hot dogs 
and you're used to the white yeah. hot dog roll, you're going to be really frustrated by a whole wheat hot dog oh, yeah. bun. Like yeah, that, your expectations are going to drive what, what you yeah. expect something to taste like. But it's like nobody really makes a high quality hot dog bun. Right. Nobody makes a fresh, good tasting, you know, kind of multi-grain breaded hot dog bun that really stands out from yeah. the crowd. They're always making taking shortcuts to make something that's a cheap imitation of the quality of the white bread whole, you know, hot dog bun. It's just it's it's wrong. You should never well, go wheat with wheat buns. Yeah. The potato buns are different though. Potatoes are good. The potato buns are great. Uh, I've never quite acquired the taste of potato buns, but I think we found that digression you were looking for. Yep. Here there it is. <laughs> like the, there's the there's the coffee exit. We blew right past it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then getting back to uh, coffee topics, Eric, uh, welcome to the show. This is where the show begins. We should start here. Yeah. Welcome to Top Brew. Okay. Episode 53. Okay. So in other news with Joe's recent life of coffee, as I record, I'm actually sitting over a spilled puddle of coffee on the floor. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, not that recent. A couple of weeks ago, I wanted to improve my productivity. And so I, I got uh, this brilliant idea, Eric, around the time that there was all the buzz about New Year's resolutions. Yeah. I don't have any New Year's resolutions. I tried to maintain goals for each quarter of the year. But they're so fun to break. <sighs> you make them and you break them. That's kind of the, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to do that. So I, I, <laughs> I tried to find something that I thought was sustainable. Okay. And I got this, I got this life hack. You know, I'm a life hack. Is that okay if I use that term? Sure. We're breaking out the terminology here, <laughs> expanding the vocabulary for this show. And I got this idea that I wanted to get more hours in a day. So I needed to regiment my, my sleep cycle. And I've, I've explored how I can maintain higher quality of sleep over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. but I hadn't really looked at how I could have efficient sleep. You know, okay. I've looked at how to maintain a quality of sleep. Now it was time to look at how to maintain efficiency. Okay. So here was my idea. Go to bed sharply at 1130 every night and get up sharply at 530 every day. Okay. That gives me exactly six hours to sleep. Now, because I'm only going to be sleeping for six hours, I'm going to be good and tired the next night when I get to bed at 1130 and I'm not going to be laying there tossing and turning at bed, unable to sleep at all because okay. I'm only on six hours of sleep from the night before. This is the theory though, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is the theory. All right. And so I'll go right to sleep. I'm, I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a digression from the theory already. Okay. But here's the beauty of it. Getting up at 530 in the morning, that gives me two whole hours before the kids get up. Yeah. And that means I can get reading, writing done, some chores done, meditation, exercise, whatever. The things I cannot do after I've taken the kids to school. Oh, yeah. I, I, had, to, I had to drop my daughter off at, at, at work this morning, and, and she had that, the, the 6 a.m. shift. So I had to leave the house at 5.30, get her at work, and then, and then we record. We were going to record at 9.30. So I was, I was downtown for, what, three hours almost, killing time, eating breakfast, I read a book. It was really cool. It's not things that I'm really used to having, but but then again, I had to get up at five o'clock, and that didn't <laughs> no. that didn't exactly go over well. But but yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay, so a couple of things. I, I I wanted to perform this as a trial run on myself for four weeks, and I started this like at the end of the first week of January. And so, I'm, how far did I make it? Well, I made it five days. Okay. 
And here's why. Because immediately I noticed my productivity did skyrocket. I was able, uh, with those two extra hours, I essentially got done everything on my to-do list for the single day, which I didn't expect. I was thinking like, I'm always trying to produce an estimate of how much can I get done today? Okay, these are the tasks and I really want to nail them. So I'm going to strive to make this happen. How late were you staying up before? I was on average going to bed between 11.30 and 12.30. Okay. And then always getting up at 7 a.m. Okay. So with that kind of fluctuation, I'd get anywhere from uh, almost seven hours of sleep to a little bit over seven hours of sleep. All right. And the only thing that was consistent was the time I would get up, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the same on the weekends. On the weekends, I'd let myself sleep in until 8.30 or 8, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, this was something you were going to do seven days a week. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and here's the thing, y'all. If you're thinking, Joe, what are you talking about? Why would you do this? Think about it. If you go to bed at 1130 AM and you get up at uh, 530 every day, including the weekend, you actually gain 50 some hours of additional awake time every month. Hmm. That's more than a work week. Yeah. And imagine all the extra thing you could do during that time. And that was what I wanted. Yeah. I'd be thinking I could be using this time for sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) In part. But think about it. Like that's actually an additional week of your life. You just introduced to a single month. Yeah. That is impressive to me. And that, that was, that was one of the reasons why this really called to me. All right. All right. So here's what I found. I was getting everything done and I was tired, tired. Like I should expect to be tired first day. All right. Next day got everything done again. And I was tired. Like I should expect to be tired. And I was thinking, I wonder when my body is going to adjust circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to get used to this. My body will automatically get on, you know, wind down at 1130 and wind back up right before the alarm clock goes off at 530. Third day, I noticed that my short term memory was a little harder to use. So I would sit something down on the counter, walk across the room, do something else, check the temperature, turn around and think, where am I and what's going on? Like I, I, uh, I, I did something on the counter, right? That's, that's because you're getting older. No, 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 <laughs> not like that. I'm serious. Like th- this was something different okay. all day long. I started to notice that I would be at my computer. I would switch windows for applications and I'd be like, what am I doing? Honey, where are my pants? <laughs> it's coming to that. So third day, I introduced an extra cup of coffee. So usually I have one in the morning. Usually I have one around 2 p.m. Okay. And that's all. So the third day, I needed another one. So I had one in the morning when I got up, one at 11 a.m. And then I moved the two o'clock coffee to three o'clock. Okay. Okay. So then the fourth day. Same regiment, getting up at these hours and go to bed at these hours. I needed a cup of coffee immediately. Then I had another cup of coffee at 9 a.m. Then I had another cup of coffee around noon. And then I had another cup of coffee at 4. I just could not get through the day. But the caffeine was noticeably helping. All right. So I had four cups of coffee and I was able to function. But I noticed that my short-term memory was still just getting worse. So this was difficult because I mean, like I would bag a bag of trash from the kitchen, knowing it was full and plan to take it out. And then I I would walk into the living room and I would nearly forget what I was doing with this bag of trash in my hand. 
and, and I'm not kidding. Like this, this was weird to me. And, and so I was having to use more concentration than usual to do basic things. Who are these little people in our house? <laughs> Those are our children, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so to so the fifth day, I, I said, I'm calling it. I can't do this. And I felt like a failure for a few minutes until I figured out, no, I have to find some way that I can still benefit from this life test. Right. So I backpedaled. I said, okay, maybe I can't do six hours of sleep a night. I can handle seven. I can handle seven. So I'll go to bed at 1130 every night and get up at 630 every day. And this still gives me an additional hour on average every day, which means I'm still gaining approximately 25 hours every month. All right. So so I figure that's still a good improvement. And now I needed to know, can can my body adjust to this? And it can. And I've been doing great since. I've done this now for more than two weeks and I'm doing great. But then what I found was I also needed to adjust my coffee intake. And that was really hard. That was just the first time I felt like it wasn't just all in my head that I, I actually had a difficulty backing down from that amount of caffeine. Really? Because I had four cups of coffee every day and I felt like that was normal. It was good. It, I wasn't getting an uncomfortable buzz. I was just surviving. And then now that my sleeping had changed, I, I wasn't having difficulty going to sleep. No, during none of this did I have difficulty sleeping. And I would have cups of coffee as late as 5 p.m. But now I was trying to cut back down to the two cups of coffee if I could. And that was hard. I've had off and on again, just annoying headaches Mm. uh, throughout these last two weeks. They finally basically wore off the day before yesterday. Okay. So that's where I'm at. And I am so sorry for everybody who I've ever teased who had some kind of caffeine headache before because now I get you. And it's, it's just annoying. It's painful. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real thing. If it's something you're, you're, you're used to having at a certain time every day. I mean, yeah, it can, it can, it can definitely mess with your your psychological state. I I'm very sorry for all of you. And I hope that you can wear down how much coffee you have. If you find yourself addicted to caffeine like this, because if there comes a day that you don't have the access to coffee because you're on you're traveling or you run out of the coffee in the house and you're not going to be able to run out to the grocery store right now, you know, everybody's got snow right now. So your coffee may not be as accessible to you. Right. I should hope that you're not going to have one of these horrendous headaches just because you cannot maintain your level of caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I, I highly encourage all of you to monitor your coffee intake on a regular basis and ask yourself, do you want to suffer the consequences if you do increase your coffee intake? And or keep some goodies powder in your in your medicine cabinet. What is that, Eric? Goodies powder is headache medicine. I use the powder. I, I, I think you can get them in, in, uh, in multiple forms. But uh, it, it has crushed up very fine. It looks like flour, uh, aspirin. And then, but there's also caffeine in the goodies powder. So um, if you can't get your, your caffeine a normal mode, like, like coffee or tea or something like that, just try a... Try a goodies powder. It'll, it'll help. It helps me. I've never tried that. I'll have to look I into it. I love them. They sound like another sponsor. We should talk to them. We should talk to them. Okay. Well, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Thrasher Coffee. And we have something special that um, Thrasher Coffee has set up for us. So we're going to talk about that in a minute. I just want to remind you, though, they've been our continual sponsor. And I really appreciate their support. If uh, you want to continue to make this show possible, check out Thrasher Coffee and use a new coupon code that is going to make sense. In just a moment, the new coupon code is eat more chicken. 
Eat More Chicken. And you figure out the spelling. You spell it any way you like, and I'm sure it'll work. Eat More Chicken, all one word, to get 25% off of your first purchase with Thrasher Coffee. Check them out at thrashercoffee.com. Eric, you were saying that they have something going on, something new, something different? Yeah, we have a, uh, a Valentine's bundle that we're running right now, which includes a pound of coffee of your choice, uh, a travel tumbler mug, which are, are actually actually pretty nice. I use I use one every day. One of our regular coffee mugs. And we, we met this girl locally. She does iced coffee. Uh, she's just a couple miles from our uh, our roastery in, um, in North Georgia. And she does iced coffee, but she also does, she makes her own marshmallows. And she is making some some special Valentine's marshmallows for us that are heart-shaped. And that's our bundle. And it, and it includes free shipping. So $39.95 for a pound of coffee, travel mug, a mug, and a uh, custom-made, handmade marshmallow treat. You can get that at thrashercoffee.com. Sweet. That sounds like a great Valentine's gift if you don't yes. already have one in mind. So we're going to talk about some coffee that is not our own. And the way that this works is we've often said that we wanted to review other people's coffee, gas station coffee, quick service, restaurant coffee, you name it. We wanted to talk about it, but we, we haven't actually taken the time to do this. And I thought it was high time, and so did the guys at Thrasher Coffee. So we're going to go through a number of reviews, and we're going to start with one today. And these are brought to you by Thrasher Coffee. So remember them. We're not doing an ad sponsor read like we normally do. We're going to review a cup of coffee for you based on um, the interests of our listeners and what Thrasher throws our way. Right. All right. So what we got here today is the first thing I thought because we live in Georgia, because we do, we should start something that is local, that is still rather mainstream, but not too mainstream. So this isn't Seattle. Where If we were in Seattle, we might start with something super mainstream like Seattle's Best or Starbucks. Mm-hmm. But I thought we should do something that was true to the roots of the South. So what we have here is Chick-fil-A coffee. Okay. Okay. And it comes in <laughs> one of their quick-to-go cups with a plastic lid on top. You've got the cardboard cup. and you, Or is that a paper cup? I guess it's a paper the cup. A paper cup and the, uh, the obligatory sleeve. The obligatory sleeve. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. It doesn't come with one of those coffee drip stoppers on the top like oh, the, they do those, at Starbucks. Those swords? Yeah. Yeah. I miss the swords. <laughs> and it, it's really hot. Like, I got it this morning. I got a uh, Chick-fil-A chicken burrito. I got some of their cinnamon clusters. And I got two cups of coffee for this occasion. And this stuff is so ridiculously hot. You cannot drink it in the rest of your ride home or your rest of the ride to the office. Really? It's just, you can... But you would scold your tongue. Yeah, you just would. Especially drinking through those those tiny little holes in the in the lid because you have no idea what to expect. And uh, sometimes you can you can tip it real real slow and just and just get a little sip and then oh hey, okay that's too hot I got to put that. Yeah. But usually what happens is you you tip it a little bit too much and you get too much in your mouth and it's yeah it's a painful experience. It, it's uh, frustrating because you know they have the one little tiny hole up at the top for what is that like airflow? Yeah. And without that airflow, you can't get anything out of the cup. Yeah. Well, sometimes the airflow is blocked, so you tip it, and the fluid wants to come out, but it doesn't. So you yeah. kind of like suck on yeah. the spout. Yeah, and like you're like <laughs> when like when the straws against the bottom of the juice box. You can't. <laughs> yeah. You just can't. You, I can't get anything out of those. Kids, the kids listening to this show were like, "Exactly, Eric." Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so that's enough about the lid. I mean, this this is a universal a lid that yeah, kind of you'd yeah. see at a quick I mean, there's, service there's, restaurant. There's nothing nothing unique or proprietary about yeah. this. Isn't uh, Chick Fil A's fault? This is not for any special reason oh, that no. it is faulty. No, it's just it the is. way it is. It's like it's uh, it's a, a, a standard mug. It's a, a standard takeaway cup you're going to get anywhere. 
Now, this is made by an electric drip. Uh, many, many years ago, I used to work at Chick-fil-A, and I made a lot of their coffee. Okay. So I've seen how it's done. They have prepackaged ground coffee beans. Uh, you put this into a paper filter. You put it in the top of the machine. You press a button, and it automatically runs the water that's preheated for you. We've got a, a line with hot water fed right to it. Yeah. So Yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be how... 99% of, of restaurants and fast food places and anywhere else is going to make any place that goes through a, a decent amount of coffee in a day is going to have something very, very similar to that. And it was back in 2014 that Chick-fil-A uh, moved to a new bean supplier, Thrive Farmers, which yes. is based right out of the uh, Smyrna, Georgia. Roswell. Roswell? Okay. Yeah. And we liked them because in the early days, Thrasher was using them as their bean supplier. Right. We really yeah, like their they were beans. Local. They source from all over the world, but they're a direct trade importer. So one of the, the things that the Chick-fil-A sells with, with their coffee is a website that says that's coffeewithastory.com. Huh. Um, so they sell the story of uh, he, here's the farmer. Here's the um, here's his, he's, it's been in his family for you know hundred years. And this is, this is where they, where they grow. He has four children and they go to this school or, or you know, so they're, they're selling the story that this is, a feel-good coffee all the way back to where it's grown. It's direct trade. Thrive goes directly to the farmer, deals with him directly. So he gets the farmer gets the most amount of money. The money's not being split off, sent to a hundred different agencies who have their their hands in the pot. And, you know, some cooperative or some this or that, where the farmer's getting skimmed. It's a really beautiful website. Yeah. They're really marketing this to high heaven. It's just you check it out. It's coffeewithastory.com, and that takes you to coffeewithastory.chickfilet.com. It's specialty coffee. As we've spoken about before, specialty coffee is a definition of coffee as separate from commodity coffee. Specialty coffee cups at, at 80 or above. This is Chick-fil-A, a fast food place, entering the specialty coffee market and, and not just putting on their on their cup that it's 100% Arabica. Well, you know, a, a lot of coffee is 100% Arabica. It just means there's no lower grade robusta in it. But 100% Arabica doesn't mean 100% specialty. Chick-fil-A is saying... This is specialty coffee. This is 100% specialty coffee. Yeah, it's marked on the cups. It's marked on their website, specialty-grade, farmer-direct coffee. Right. And the web address on the cup. It also has the logo for Thrive Farmers down at the bottom. So they're definitely, they really love each other. and Their relationship is strong. Right. And it is a relationship. It's a, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, so and I really admire how they are treating the farmers. There's a lot to be had there. If you look at the paper sleeve, this is the cardboard sleeve that wraps these cups. Personally, I don't think it fits the cups the greatest. Um, I don't it, think any sleeve ever does. No, they don't. And it actually is what caused me to spill the coffee right here beneath my computer this morning. <laughs> I was squeezing the cup and the paper sleeve like twisted the cup and it just like popped out of my hand like a bar of soap. With, really? With the sleeve in my hand. And the cup of coffee fell on the floor. Oh, wow. Thankfully, the lid is very secure. This lid stays on nice and snug. I thought for sure it was going to pop right off and spill all the contents on my feet. But it didn't. It, uh, the lid stayed on. Oh, it did? Yeah. Wow. So the only way it could have been better is it if it had a coffee sword to oh, keep yeah. all the fluid See, in. You're missing the sword now. I missed, uh, I lost about two ounces of fluid on the floor. You need here. to really work on controlling your, your grip tension there, Joe. It's too strong. It's, it sure sounds like it if you're if you're squeezing the cup out of the paper sleeve when you're like, <laughs> going shooting on the floor. I, I I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I, I I guess it was because the paper sleeve. You know these paper sleeves. They like you hear that? Yeah. 
that's the paper sleeve Falling where down. it falls down the cup, right. and that was where I grabbed it. Yeah, there's there's supposed to be a little piece of adhesive that when they put it on there, it 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 sticks to the cup. But but if you if you break that free, or if 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 you, I don't think that there is any on the case of these these cups because the paper sleeves are not. Maybe there's not, but usually there, there there's something that that kind of keeps it in place. There's no kind of adhesive. You, there's no rigidity. Yeah, yeah. Once you knock that off, then that then you, all you do is you sit there and you fight it because it keep it does keep falling down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our thoughts on the cup of coffee. Um, besides we, the fact that it is scolding hot, we haven't said anything about the coffee itself yet. Yeah. I ordered this coffee about an hour ago, and okay. it is still warm. It's yeah. It's warm. It tastes like arabica. It tastes like a, a blend. It tastes less. What would you say on the dark side of medium? No, 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 no. I would say this is on the lighter side of medium to light medium. Okay, because um, I, well, I was only trying to gauge that based on the fact that it was an electric drip maker. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, well, given that it was an electric drip maker, maybe it was Boulder Coffee that turned out weaker because of how it was processed. But no, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I think this is, it's got a very forward acidity to it. Which, it does. It, it, it seems very citrusy. Yeah, which is, is something that, that makes their coffee unique to any other fast food coffee. Is, is well, that, would you say it's, it's citrusy more so rather than a harsh acidity? It's, it's well, not very harsh. That's what... It, <laughs> Coffee people typically describe acidity as brightness um, to to mainly get away from the word acidity because acidity sounds bad. Like, well, I don't I don't want acidity, but but this is this is like the good kind of acidity. This is yeah. this is the citrus fruit, like a like a lime or a, or a lemon or you know something not 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 the ooh pucker your face kind of acidity, but but just the uh, the fruity type of of acid that makes citrus fruit citrus fruit. And it doesn't have any sugar in it as it is. We just got the black stuff for the purpose of the review. Right. I can see why you would add a lot of uh, sugar or sweeteners to this just because of this level of lemoniness. Yeah. It, it turns out to be like a coffee lemonade. Then well, it's all yeah. Done. I mean, I, I tend to think of it more as a lime. It's not, it's not quite as yeah, um, acidic yeah. as a lemon. It's got a little bit of sweetness to it. Not much chocolate to it. It's, it's definitely oh, no. on the fruity no. side no. of things. And that's, that's why I'm saying this is, this is a lighter roasted coffee, as it as it well should be. When you're labeling something as as specialty coffee, it doesn't it doesn't do a whole lot of good to dark roast it because you can dark roast just about anything and and get a similar result. You know they're gonna they're gonna taste different. Different beans are gonna taste different when you when you roast them dark. But the lighter you roast a coffee, the more you're gonna taste the coffee and the less you're gonna taste the roast. Um, so I appreciate Chick Fil A and and Thrive Coffee doing this because what they're doing is they're exposing a whole new audience to specialty coffee and, and doing it this way, people are getting acclimated to the, to the idea that look, coffee is a fruit. Coffee does have an acidic element to it. Most of the times it's roasted out and it's made to taste like, like everything else. But here they're allowing the, the acidity of the coffee to speak and introducing a whole new audience of people that, you know, probably aren't exposed to specialty coffee in any other area of their life now they're tasting this and like, well, what's different? Why does your coffee taste so different than anybody else's? Well, well, here's why. And that's where, you know, Coffee with a Story, the website is so helpful. And in my estimation, it's a good thing because it's slowly moving the market toward a recognition that coffee doesn't always have to taste like, like the burnt sludge that you get everywhere else. It's very interesting just uh, exploring their website. I actually designed a website very similar to this not too long ago, looking at some of their artwork and it's like, huh, I would have done that. Looks like maybe it was produced on an iPad. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely say uh, thumbs up to this. If you're looking for a grab-and-go coffee, Chick-fil-A always has good service. And oh, I think yeah. that their coffee is yeah. universally consistent at this point. I've had this same exact tasting cup of coffee 
from multiple Chick-fil-A's yeah. for the last two years. Yeah, and it always tastes remarkably the same. And the acidity, the acidity gets more pronounced. It's it's getting more toward room temperature now, and the acidity just becomes more and more pronounced as it cools. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So what do you think it was like when it was hotter? Was it more on the the toasty spe- end of the spectrum away from the citrusy and just more balanced and it and now it, it veers to the the sourness? The acidity's always there. Um, in fact, I just I just had a cup the other night while I was waiting for my daughter to get off work. It's on the front. When you take your very first sip or, or when you first put a sip in your mouth, that's where you get the acidity. It, it, it kind of... Makes your mouth bucker. A little bit. Yeah. It's just like... Well, that's, Nothing that's burnt unique. about it. Nothing no, burnt like no. you'd expect from Starbucks. But as it's, as it's warmer or, or as it's hotter, I think you get more of a, more of a nutty flavor from mm. it than, than the acidity. And then as it cools, the, it, t- it, it tends to flip-flop. The acidity yeah, it, becomes yeah. a little bit more pronounced. I would say the nutty flavor kind of reminds me of the skin that comes on peanuts. Right. Yet that particular aftertaste, it's, it's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. And some of it is flat. It's not the most exciting, flavorful coffee. By no means is this the kind of thing you'd expect to find from a craft coffee roaster fresh. Yeah, yeah. Because it's been around for a while. It's been bagged for a while. And it was pre-ground. And you can't escape... That this doesn't oh, yeah. seem like fresh coffee, like, and, and it's not made in any kind of ideal fashion. You know, no. rushed through a rushed through a an industrial drip maker. But yeah, for um for being fast food coffee, I I think I think Chick Fil A probably has has some of the best. So in the future, we're going to review more like this. If you have any particular kind of coffee that you would like us to review on the show, please mention it, and we'll try to look it up, find it, get order some, bring it in here. Whether uh, we can find it at the gas station or if you want to point us to a craft coffee roaster, we'll in particular find those beans first and we'll review them on a future episode. Yes, we will. And thanks to Thrasher Coffee for sponsoring the spot and bringing the coffee to us. So remember Thrasher Coffee. Uh, the coupon code again is Eat More Chicken this week for 25% off of your first order. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Sounds good to me. Eric, thank you very much. You're uh, welcome. Yeah, you you are now the official taste tester. As they say at Chick Fil A, it's my pleasure. Oh, dude! Thanks for joining us for episode 53 of Top Brew. Show notes with links to everything we discussed are at topbrew.fm/podcast/53. Follow at Top Brew on Twitter or myself. I am underscore Joe Darnell on Twitter. And uh, like I said, thanks to Thrasher Coffee and check them out. Their coupon code is eat more chicken for 25% off. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks again for listening to Top Brew.